is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. I am your host, Chris Davis. Um, I am riding solo today. Um, this is probably about my third take, trying not to fuck this up. A um, lot to get to today, um, as far as World Junior talk. Um, NHL is back, um, but first and foremost, I hope you all had a very um, happy holiday. Um, spent time with family and friends and just really enjoyed yourself. Um, it's that time of year for giving and, and being with family, so I hope you all uh, had a great time. <clears throat> Starting off first, brutal news for the Czech team. Um, Adam Jerichek, um brutal knee injury. Um, he's going to be out for the remainder of the tournament. Um, just really unfortunate news. Um, this kid was one of the best defensemen projected in this 2024, um, draft class. And what's crazy, you know, about this is the exact same thing happened to his brother, um, David in last year's world juniors. Um, he played one game and had a tournament ending knee injury which is just absolutely brutal um yeah you know his first he played one game and you know he's ranked number eight in by tsn's uh, bob mckenzie um as far as prospects in this upcoming draft he's one of the projected to go top 10 to top 15 um and just yeah just a brutal blow for this czech team um that looked really good in a in a win over norway um you know, led by Yuri Kulich, um, but, you know, the prospect from Buffalo, 28th overall in 2022, um, and Edward Saleh. Um, also, you know, both had hat tricks. Um, Saleh, a Seattle prospect, 20th overall in 23, um, just absolutely dominated, and um, they dummied Norway. Um, and, yeah, just again, we hope, you know, we wish Adam the best and hopefully he can get ready for the draft and, um, you know, just, just come out better than, you know, before this, just a brutal, brutal blow. Um, you know, moving on to, uh, team Canada today. Um, obviously we're recording on Wednesday and team Canada played today and that was just an absolute slaughtering against Lapia. Um, 10 to 1 um and the thing that i think impressed me most was the play by play of macklin celebrini i mean he's everything that we you know that he's advertised as he is unbelievable and i think very similar to similarly to Connor Bedard last year. I think everyone knew he would go number 1, but i think it it was the June World Junior tournament that really solidified himself as that number one pick. Um, and, and Macklin's doing the same thing right now. I, I don't see anyone right now close to him um, as far as who could be taken number one. Um, and I think as Macklin continues to play and continues to put up numbers and, and just dominate, um, especially as a 17-year-old, which is unbelievable. This tournament is mostly, you know, 18, 19-year-olds. And then, you know, I mentioned today um, – in our interview with with Ryan Ufko, even playing in Hockey East as a 17-year-old is, is absolutely absurd. Um, and I like I said, the more that he's, you know, 
puts up numbers and, and shows that he can play with the big boys and play above his age group, um, it's he's just going to solidify himself as that number one pick. Um, he's been unbelievable. And, and that whole Canada team is absolutely insane. I mean, you go down the list of that team, um, you know, starting with Celebrini and um, – They've got, you know, NHL draft picks down, you know, going down the entire roster. Um, it, it, it's insane, you know, with their decor. Obviously, Oliver Bonk is a, is a draft pick of the Philadelphia Flyers um, from London of the OHL. Going down to Maverick Lamoureux, um from uh, Drummondville in the queue. Um, obviously, an Arizona pick. Um, big boy. He can skate very well, though. Um, and then moving on to, uh, Denton Matejchuk, just another one of those defensemen in Columbus that I'm really excited about. Um, obviously you've got Boquist, um, Juracek, Matejchuk, um, just, just overall a, a very, very fun group and I'm excited about it. And then moving to the forwards, obviously, you, you know, the player of the game in game one for Team Canada, Nate Danielson, ninth overall um, to Detroit. Had an awesome game, game one. Um, uh, moving to Fraser Mitten um, of Saskatoon, Toronto. This team is just absolutely loaded. You know, Matthew Potra, Matthew Wood, Owen Alla, Jordan Dumay, Matthew Savoy, Easton Cowan, Connor Geeky. I mean, let's talk about Connor Geeky for a second. I mean, his, his style is <laughs> absolutely absurd um and obviously he's incredibly talented kid but the knob that he's got on his stick with then the the front and back sock tuck is just insane and he just goes out there and, and fucking dominates um unbelievably talented kid um for wenatchee right now um and then obviously Braden jaeger um and yeah you know like they're getting you know Exactly. They're, you know, they're putting up great numbers right now. And obviously, you know, they played Latvia and who isn't the greatest team. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, this is going to be a really, really interesting finish to the tournament because I think the number one team right now that we can say was the U.S. coming into this. But just the way that Canada has been playing, I think it's going to be a really, really good matchup. Um, you know, between these two teams, I think it's going to come down to the wire and um, yeah, just unbelievable tournament so far. Um, also on Wednesday, the, uh, the Germans upset the Finns, um, Germany upset team Finland, their first ever win against team Finland. Prior to this, they were oh in 25, which is just insane. I mean, this goes back years of this tournament. Um, and finally, you know, they, they pull out a win and just an awesome effort. Um, all the games have been awesome. Um, just keeping a, you know, I've been keeping a real, real eye on a lot of these prospects, especially in this um, upcoming draft, um, you know, starting with Celebrini. And then obviously, you know, um, Consta Hellenius is another guy for Finland. Um, obviously, they had that brutal loss today, but um I see him kind of climbing up the draft charts right now. I mean, he's, you know, projected eighth pick. Um, for sure going to be a top ten pick. I mean, that's without a doubt in my mind. Um, and then obviously, you know, you guys, 
you know, Zeev Biam, um, another incredibly talented um, defenseman for Team USA. Um, I know I completely butchered his name. Um, yeah, just incredibly talented kids. Um, and I look forward to tomorrow's games too. Um, you know, with, with the U.S. taking on Switzerland, 11 a.m. Eastern time. And then, obviously, Germany is going to be back at it against Sweden, who's, again, another wagon. Um, and that's going to be at 1.30. So those are going to be both awesome games. Um, kind of going back, I wanted to touch on Team USA um, and what I saw from that game. Um, I think Trey Augustine um, absolutely bailed him out a few times. He, he played incredible. Um, they started off a little slow, understandable. I mean, the first game, you know, kind of getting their feet under them. And, um, then, you know, they, they really tuned things up in the second period and man, Gavin Brindley shot, I mean, the kid from Michigan, he, how he was a second round pick. I, I can't even, it's mind boggling to me that he fell to the second round, um, Got drafted by Columbus, obviously same draft as, you know, Adam Fantilli and second round pick. And this is his second year in the World Juniors. And and he just had two beautiful shots, um, you know, for, for goals um, for the U.S. Um, you know, Lane Hudson, we know exactly what we're getting from him. His skating ability and just the way he sees the ice is incredible. Um, you know, the, the Ryan Leonard, Will Smith. Gabe Perot line, Gabe Perot, another guy. How this dude fell to twenty third overall is absolutely absurd to me, and, and the fact that he fell right to the Rangers. Um, it's funny when he actually got drafted. I had to kind of double take and, and see the name again, and the fact that he fell that far, it just it's insane to me. And I think even looking at you know Ryan Leonard, I think Ryan Leonard's going to be looked at as a steal at eight. You know, he was eighth overall to Washington, and that's going to be considered a steal. Um, there are a bunch of, you know, guys that, you know, went probably earlier than they should have. I mean, Zach Benson, another guy, went 13th. Um, and, yeah, I think all these guys are going to be looked at as, as steals in this draft. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the the rundown for the World Juniors. Um you know, I kind of knew this was going to be a, a pretty quick episode. Um, kind of diving into to some NHL stuff. Um, I think, obviously, we're, you know, it's a Wednesday right now. Um, this episode will be dropping on, um, on Thursday. And games are finally back on. Um, you know, they... You know, the Bruins are back in action tonight against there in Buffalo, um, 7.30 puck drop. Um, but, the, yeah, a couple, couple things I wanted to kind of touch on is, um, as far as NHL news, the first being um, the Blue Jackets. Uh, Sean Corrali that had, you know, that scary moment um, for the Blue Jackets when they were taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs um, in Saturday's loss. Kind of an awkward play going, you know, behind the net and – couldn't really tell at first what happened with him um and just the fact that you know the the medical staff kind of was rushing to him I mean people kind of were thinking the worst I mean I know I 
definitely was guilty of that. Um, didn't know if it was like a heart thing or like internal thing. I mean, it just looked very, he looked very uncomfortable and just kind of struggled to get off the ice. Um, but he's listed as day-to-day -day with an abdominal injury. Um, he's going to miss Wednesday's game, um, you know, tonight's game versus New Jersey. That was announced today by the team. Um, he was taken to the local hospital for observations. Um, looks like he, he was, you know, took a puck to the chest in the first period. Um, he ended up being released from the hospital um, Saturday night. So, um, yeah, just a, just a scary, scary moment. But luckily, you know, Sean's good. And, you know, him being a Bruins legend, I mean, it, it was – Heart-wrenching to see, you know, as he collapsed, you know, behind the Columbus bench. And obviously, you know, we're really happy that he's okay and um, hope to see him back out there soon. Um, yeah. But, I mean, moving on, um, I don't know if we mentioned this in last week's episode, but um, Anaheim Ducks rookie um, Ford Leo Carlson is going to be out four to six weeks with a sprained right knee ligament. Um, this was after he, in that in that three two loss to um, Seattle, he had that awkward awkward fall. Um, that this was against Calgary, um, the game before the loss to Seattle, um, and it kind of looked like Mackenzie Weger kind of fell on his on his right knee, and it just kind of, you know, it just looked like an awkward. Didn't look malicious or anything. Just just. One of those unfortunate plays, but obviously he wasn't able to put any weight on on that right leg, and, and just really struggled to um, you know get off the ice. And this is just super unfortunate, you know, especially for you know Anaheim. They were trying to control his minutes and and you know kind of I don't know, kind of save save him, I guess. Um, just you know, kind of let him ease through the season and, and get used to the, the NHL speed and the, you know, the NHL game and just incredibly just unfortunate. I, he, I mean, he was definitely going to compete for the Calder trophy in my mind. I mean, obviously I think it's going to end up being Bedard by a landslide, but he was definitely going to compete for it. And yeah, just one of those unfortunate injuries that, you know, just one of those things. It's like shit happens. Um, you hope, same thing, you know, you wish the best for him and, and hope he can make a, uh, you know, a full recovery. And, yeah, I mean, four to six weeks is, is, a, is a good amount of time. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I wish Leo the best and, and speedy recovery. Um, and... The last thing I wanted to do was do a little mock draft. Um, as far as like if the season were to end today, um, where I think some of these prospects are going to go and why. Um, I'll kind of run down the list. I've got the list of, you know, the ESPN standings um, right in front of me. And I'm going to kind of run down the list and just, you know, kind of explain why I think the player I pick, you know, why I think they're going there. Um, you know, starting off number one, um, <laughs> right now it's it's Chicago and San Jose. Um, 
you know, obviously San Jose's got the one less loss, so we'll assume San Jose gets the number one pick, and I think it's an obvious answer. I think it's, you know, Macklin Celebrini. I think he's really going to pull away in this tournament and really solidify himself as that number one pick. I think he already has, um, but like I mentioned earlier with, you know, with Connor Bedard, same thing last year. You know, I think during that World Junior Tournament, seeing how much he dominated and just the speed of him and and how he just thinks the game faster and better than, you know, his his own age, I guess. Um, after the tournament, he was the clear-cut number one pick, and I think the same thing is going to be for, for Macklin Celebrini. Um, so that leaves Chicago with the second pick, and, and here I think it's going to be another center for them. Um, I think the easy pick here is Cole Iserman, um, obviously from the, from the U S national development program. Um, obviously your, your cornerstone piece is, um, you know, Connor Bedard and adding another guy like Cole Iserman, who's, you know, he's another insanely talented player. I mean, incredible shot, 17 years old. Um, he's an 06, six foot one ninety six. Um, projected to play at BU, you know, he's going to be playing at BU next year. And, and who knows, maybe we'll see Celebrini and Iserman team up. Um, but yeah, so far, you know, he's got 27 goals um, and you for the U.S. National U18 team in 23 games, 27 goals, 18 assists for 45 points. Um, just again, it, it was crazy to me that he got left off this roster, but I, but I understand it. Um, I think, you know, him, he would have been playing on the third line, hypothetically. And for his type of game, it just wouldn't have made sense. Um, he's still going to be a top three pick, guaranteed. Um, and, yeah, I think I think Chicago would be a really good fit. Um, obviously, him teaming up with, um, with Connor Bedard, I think it's another, just another very good building block um, for, you know, for Chicago. Um, moving on to number three, um, the Anaheim Ducks. And I think for me, this is, this is kind of an easy choice for me. Um, I think they go, you know, especially with the emergence of Pavel Mintikov in this, um, for this decor, I think they're going to go with, um, current Michigan state, um, defenseman, Artem Levchinov. Um, he's listed as the best defenseman in this draft and, and having gotten to watch him, um, this season, when he played against BC at Conti Forum, he I really liked you know his skating. He's a 6'2", 198. Um, I, I think he'd be a really good fit in Anaheim. Ranked number four in Bob McKenzie's um, you know projected in this draft class. Um, in eighteen games as a freshman, he's got five goals, thirteen assists for eighteen um, points, fourteen penalty minutes as an and is a plus sixteen. Um, he's got a very good shot. He, he handles the puck very well. Um, I think this is a, a no brainer for Anaheim. Um, obviously with, you know, Leo Carlson's going to be coming back and I think they're, you know, they're going to extend Zegris and I think that's going to be their core. And I think adding another defenseman would be ideal for this team. Um, moving on to the fourth pick. Um, Right now, it's the Ottawa Senators. Um, this one's a little bit tough. Um, 
it's kind of complicated just as far as where this team is going and what they, exactly this team needs right now. I think I, it, it's super complicated. I, I think for me, the pick here would be um, a center. I, I think going out and grabbing a, a Caden Lindstrom, um, 6'3", 216 um, centerman, a big boy. He, he physical power forward from Medicine Hat of the WHL. I think that's the pick here for me. Um, just a, a, a very good centerman, and and I honestly, I thought about putting him number two, just as far as a bigger center for Chicago to kind of complement Bedard in his style of play. Um, but I think Iserman is is too good to pass up at two. Um, so I think this. Ottawa grabbing Lindstrom at four. I think that, you know, I think that would be ideal for this team. Just grabbing a bigger forward, possibly pairing him up with a, with a guy like Brady Kachuk. I think it would be, that would be a good line. Um, moving on to the fifth pick, um, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, <laughs> this is another one. I, I thought this team was going to kind of make, take the next step. Um, Clearly, they have not. Unfortunately, um, it's a it's a weird situation that they're in. Um, I think the pick here is going to be a forward again. Obviously, they went Adam Fantilli, Gavin Brindley um, last year, um, and I think the pick for me here is Constantinus. He was one of my you know projected best player in this tournament, and I think he still has a chance to be. I mean, he's right now a projected top 10 pick. Centerman, right winger, he's five, you know, 5'11", 180. He's playing for Team Finland right now. Um, I really like his game, and I think this could be, you know, a good fit for them. Um, obviously, I don't see him stepping into the NHL right away, um, but I think in time he could be a really good piece for this uh, Columbus team. Moving on to the sixth pick, the Edmonton Oilers. I think this one is a no-brainer here. Um, obviously, we know the woes of Edmonton starting out. They fired Jay Woodcroft. We know the obvious issues of goaltending, defensemen. I don't see a goaltender going this high, especially with this class. Um so then moving on to the next obvious thing, I think it's defensemen. The obvious pick here for me is the next best defenseman available, which is Sam Dickinson. Um, 6'3", 205 left shot defenseman from the London Knights of the OHL. Um, this this pick for me is a no-brainer. I, I don't really need to go into this one. I think everyone who follows hockey knows they have a really big issue with defense. I love Evan Bouchard, don't get me wrong. Darnell Nurse, although he's overpaid, is solid. I just think they need more on that decor. And I think Sam Dickinson would be a really good fit um, for this team. Moving on to the Buffalo Sabres, another team that I thought would take the next step and be a good team and, and potentially compete in the Atlantic Division. And that just has not been the case. Um, I think they're very top heavy when it comes to defensemen. Obviously they've spent two number one overall picks on defensemen in Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin. 
Um, the emergence of Zach Benson this season, he's obviously playing with the team all season. Um, they've got very good forward prospects coming up um, in Matty Savoy, Yuri Kulich, Isaac Rosen. I mean, the list goes on and on. I think the move here is forward, especially right wing. And I could see them grabbing a guy, um, Ivan Demidov, um, a right, you know, a right winger, 5'11, 180. I, I like that fit there. Um, I think he's going to be a solid player at the next level. Um, you know, he's what they're saying, you know, he's he's a human highlight reel combining silky smooth hands and then quality shooting and playmaking. Um that's exactly what they need. They need someone who can go out and make plays and and Demid, you know, Demidov I think is a is a really good fit here um for this wild team. Moving on to the Seattle Kraken. Um this team has really underachieved especially from what they did last year. Um for me this this pick is pretty easy. The neck, you know, I just go next best. Um, defenseman Anton Siliev, um, 6'7", 207. I had posted a highlight earlier, um, I believe it was last week, and he just had an absolute bone-crushing hit. He's physical, um, as well as he can move the puck, and he's got, you know, great vision, um, and just a, a shutdown defenseman, big boy. Um, I think that's the pick here for, um, Seattle. I think it's something that they desperately need. Um, he skates really well for a, you know, for a six, seven guy. Um, he's a guy that's going to be able to play regular minutes. Um, from what I'm reading, he's very raw talent, you know, in talent, but with, you know, as he develops and as he ages, that's going to, you know, it'll come with time. Um, you know, this is, this is the pick here. It, it's not rocket science for me here. Um, he's the next best defenseman available, and that's what's exactly what Seattle needs. Moving on to the Calgary Flames. Um, this will be the last pick that we do um, before. I'm hoping to do this every, every week um, at the end of the pod. Um, where I kind of just go through my list. And obviously, I'm going to be doing mock drafts throughout the year and um, some pretty cool news. I'm going to be, you know, heading to Vegas for the draft. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, getting to cover these kids and just kind of, you know, breaking down the picks. And um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. So, I, you know, these are really these are things I enjoy studying. And um, this World Junior tournament is huge for this um as well as the rest of the season college junior whatever it may be um so the last pick that we're going to be doing today um calgary flames um this one's a little bit tougher um again it, it's Calgary's another team that's kind of i would say underachieved and it's kind of got a lot of question marks as far as you know, you've heard heard a lot of whispers with Elias Lindholm, um, Noah Hannafin, Mackenzie Wegar, Tanev. Who knows which direction this team is going to go in? Um, are they going to acquire more assets? Are they going to try to 
ship off most of their talent. I mean, who the hell knows with this team? I mean, from where they sit right now at nine, the pick for me right now would be Berkeley Catton. Um, this uh, centerman from Spokane, 5'11", 170. Um, hoping to have him on the podcast here soon. Um, incredibly talented kid, humble kid, just re- really, really nice kid. Um, he's got incredible puck control. Um, he's, you know, he's got great speed, um, protects the puck very well, um, in high danger areas. Um, he's a serious threat, you know, off the rush and, you know, he's, he's very good at being able to create his own opportunities. And I think that's exactly what, um, that's exactly what Calgary needs. Um, they were kind of hoping that, you know, I mean, Lindholm has had his ups and downs. Um, as has uh, Jonathan Huberto. Um, they definitely, right now, it looks like they've lost that trade um, with Matthew Kachuk. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And they have a chance here to kind of make make up for things. And so far in 2023-24 in 30 games, um, Catton has 22 goals, 24 assists for 46 points, 21 pims, um, as well as a plus five. Um, he was the captain of the of Team Canada in the U18 uh, Holinka Gretzky Cup. Five games, he had eight goals, two assists, 10 points, um, eight penalty minutes. Um, and again, if you looking at his elite prospects, it's look, it looks like his, you know, his puck handling, his leadership is off the charts. Um, all the intangibles that you want in a, you know, in a leader teamwork, um, and then moving on to his skating, you know, his acceleration, offensive, his strength, you know, being able to create his own, um, opportunities and, you know, the, the, the awards, speak for themselves too. You know, he, he won a gold medal in the Holinka Gretzky cup. He had the most goals with eight, most points with 10, um, U 18 world junior bronze medal, the world hockey classic silver medal, and then U 17 world hockey classic, uh, all-star team. And I think this would be a really good fit at nine. I think that, you know, as the season goes on, we could see cat and go even higher. Um, but I think for right now, I, this is where I see him slotted. Um, again, this could change. I definitely, I would not be surprised at all if this changed. Um, you know, just the way that he has played. And I think at the beginning of the year, he was slotted, you know, in the one to five area. And I think with the emergence of, you know, Celebrini and, and everything that's all these young defensemen too that have kind of popped up. Um, he's fallen a little bit, but I, I fully anticipate him jumping right back up. Um, so yeah, that's that's my one through nine. And and I mentioned earlier, this is this is a segment I want to do um every week. Um and I'm hoping, you know, on our drop the mitts page that I can drop a full um full first round. Um and then as we get closer to you know, the draft. And as I travel to Vegas for the draft that I can, you know, come out with different, you know, just breaking down pick by pick, why I have them going there, why it's a fit. Um, so yeah, I, this is going to be a really exciting draft. It's a loaded class. 
Um, this is something I really enjoy doing. Um, you know, the prospect breakdown and everything. Um, obviously, tomorrow we've got two games I mentioned earlier for the World Juniors. Um, so stay tuned for those. Um, so we had an interview this week. Um, UMass captain um, and fourth round pick of the Nashville Predators, um, Ryan Ufko, joined us. Um, I got to watch Ryan um, when UMass or when Michigan traveled to UMass to play at Mullins. It, he just stands out, man. He's he's such a good such a good defenseman. Nashville get a good one, um, especially in the fourth round. Um, in hindsight, now it's he probably could have gone a lot higher than that. Um, but yeah, he you know incredibly talented kid, just a born leader, junior captain. Um, Got to have a really good talk with him as far as, you know, why he chose UMass, um, the draft process. Um, you know, he got to play in the World Juniors last year. So playing with that loaded U.S. team and, and getting to play against guys like Connor Bedard and um, that incredible Team Canada team as well. Um, it was just a, it was a really good conversation. One of my one of the better interviews that we've had, um, getting to talk about his teammate, um, Dan's Lock Mellis playing for Team Latvia um, in the World Juniors. Um, this one was a lot of fun, so I hope you uh, hope you guys enjoy, and, and again, hope you guys had a great Christmas, um, great time with your family, friends, um, and I hope everyone has a happy and healthy New Year. Um, so without further ado, uh, we bring you Ryan Ufko. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. We are joined by current UMass Amherst captain and fourth-round pick of the Nash, uh, Nashville Predators, Ryan Ufko. Ryan, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I hope you had a good, uh, you know, little Christmas break and, you know, enjoyed time with, you know, family. And, um, yeah, so you guys uh, over at UMass, you're sitting 11th in the country right now. Um, what would you credit as you know, the biggest or most significant factor um, in your team's success right now? I would say kind of just our identity and the way we've been playing. I feel like we play a really uh, aggressive system. Um, and we don't play like three forwards, 2D. We're a five-man system. And I feel like that's kind of helped us out a lot this year, um, you know, especially on our on our ice sheet and at, at home too. Uh, we play on a bigger ice. So I think, you know, practicing in that over the summer and during the during the start of the fall, um, you know, bigger ice, I think that conditioned us a lot more too. That way when we go into smaller rinks, um, you know, we're really fresh and uh, we can outwill, outwork and outwill teams. Yeah, for sure, man. Mullins is honestly one of my favorite rinks to go, you know, watch a game at. It's such a beautiful rink and, like you said, that bigger ice surface. Um, yeah, right now, man, I got the World Juniors on. Um, your teammate, Dan's Lock Millis, um, he's, he's participating as captain of Team Latvia. Um, in this tor uh, specific tournament, um, do you, are you boys following that closely? I mean, obviously you played for Team USA last year. I mean, are you rooting for Dan's? Or are you still rooting for Team USA? Yeah, we uh, we're all still following it. Uh, we just watched. We're watching some of the game right now. Watching them play Canada. Um, this morning we watched uh, Michael Harabo play. Yeah. Uh, they took on Norway. So yeah, we stay really close. Um, you know, especially since we have guys there. Um, so we try to watch as many games as we can and hope that they can do as well as they can. And then, you know, obviously we have some, a lot of U.S. guys and some Canadian guys. So we kind of bicker back and forth about who we think is going to win. But 
other than that, we're kind of just rooting for the guys that, you know, we know personally and that are on our team here at UMass. Yeah, you know, you got to participate in it last year. Um, obviously, you guys took home bronze. Um, what was your favorite part about that tournament? And then what was your biggest takeaway as well um, from playing against, all you know, the best of the best mm-hmm. from every country? Yeah, I think for me, it was kind of just, you know, being able to wear the jersey. That was the first time for me ever to play for my country. Um, so that was a real honor. And then the moment I, you know, just playing against that Canada game, stepping out on the ice, the whole arena was red. Um, it was up in Halifax. So a lot of Canadians up there, but um, kind of just the environment every single game had, like every game was sold out. Uh, fans were screaming, cheering the whole time. Uh, there was no bad game. So I think, you know, just the whole experience was really special. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You mentioned the, the Canada crowd, like even in Sweden right now, like when it first started, the yeah, crowd was, it looked like have, it was rinks Canadian. Yeah. They, like I saw all the Canadian flags. I was like, this is in Sweden. Right. And uh, yeah, dude, it was just crazy. And like, obviously like, what was it like that Canada roster last year was like absurd um, with the amount of guys they had, like obviously you being a defenseman, like what was your mindset going into that, that game specifically? And like, what was it like playing against some of those guys that you're seeing like in the NHL right now, you know, scoring goals and putting the puck in the net? Yeah, I think, you know, we tried, we obviously knew who was all on that team and that they were really good. But I think part of it too was that we knew that any of them like were able to score or put the puck in the net. So I think we didn't really try to focus too much on one guy. I mean, I mean, we talked about Bedard a couple of times and, you know, some of the things he would do, especially on the power play. So we kind of adjusted and, you know, maybe tried to cheat out a little bit more towards like the dot and the top of the circle. But, you know, other than that, we didn't focus too much on one guy just because, you know, their whole team was was really deep. Yeah, for sure, dude. And, you know, kind of going back to, you know, UMass, early, early in the season, you were named uh, captain as a junior. Um, obviously a huge honor, you know, to be, you know, wearing that letter for your team. Um, how much of an honor was it for you to be named captain? And then what would you say your leadership style is um, as far as getting, you know, the team's message to the rest of the boys? Yeah, it was definitely a big honor. Um, you know, it's something I really look forward to. Um, you know, just to, you know, have like, we have players vote here and a coach decision. So kind of was just all tied together that, you know, it would be me and, um, co-captain with Aaron Bollinger. So, you know, just kind of having him too is, it's not all the pressure and responsibilities on one guy as well. So, you know, we have each other for each, for problems or, you know, just to lean on. So I think that's really unique and special about it. And then, you know, I think I kind of lead by my actions and by example more, like just the way I play on the ice. Um, you know, I'm really competitive, try to win every drill during the week throughout practice and then, you know, every puck battle. So just trying to lead by example, um, you know, sounds cliche, but, you know, I think it's really effective, especially when you have a big group of freshmen and some transfers, you know, this year we have, I think 12 returning guys and like 12 new guys. So, you know, trying to just, get them accumulated as quickly as we could. I think that was a big part of our success too at the start of the year. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, you know, being able to lean on, you know, Bollinger and another guy I wanted to ask you about um, that kind of has the same track, I guess, as you Um, Scott Morrow, you know, another very skilled defenseman, um, a high draft pick, you know, to the Carolina hurricanes. Um, What, what types of things do you guys kind of learn from each other? And like you mentioned earlier, being able to lean on each other, like, what makes you guys complement each other so well? Yeah, I think I think a big part of it was that we lived together for two years, um, our freshman and sophomore year. So I think 
kind of just, you know, we were always around each other at the rink, away from the rink, in class, not in class. So, you know, kind of just picking each other's brains and watching NHL games and, you know, just talking about like, oh, what do you like, what do you see in this guy? Um, what do you see in that play? And then just kind of talking. And, you know, I think that's part of our relationship where we got really close through that, um, just watching each other on the ice. And then I think we've always had that chemistry since we got here. I mean, we've been on the power play together all three years. So I think that chemistry's only gone up. Yeah, that was the big thing I noticed. I went to the, you know, both games um, against Michigan. Um, and that was one thing I really noticed is as far as like the power play goes, you guys were very like knew where each other were going to be and just were able to move the puck really well. So it's good to see that you guys, you know, complement each other so well. Um, I want to pivot a little bit to your early days, um, starting off playing hockey. Um you know, and then ultimately your path to get to UMass. Um, who in your life would you would you credit as the ones um, to help get you into the game and ultimately help you fall in love with hockey? Yeah, definitely uh, my parents and my grandpa. Uh, I'm lucky enough that my grandpa and uh, my grandma, they only lived 20 minutes away from me back in Long Island. So uh, they were always around every day I got to see them. Um, but no one in my family actually ever played hockey. I just kind of stepped into it, um, you know, went – I uh, went public skate a couple times when I was really young, didn't like it, and then started playing uh, street hockey over the summer and kind of just took off from there. Um, but, you know, I think my grandpa's probably – he was the one who took me to all my hockey practices growing up and to my games on the weekend because both my parents worked. And then I have a younger brother who played too, so he was a handful for them. Yeah. So my grandpa did a lot of the work, and, um, you know, I definitely wouldn't be able to be here without him. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, so, like, as as you started playing more hockey, you know, you started, you know, moving up levels. Um, when was it that you realized that you actually had a chance, you know, to to play Division One and then ultimately get drafted? Like, when was it that you realized, like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm pretty fucking good at this game? Like, was there a certain point in time that you kind of knew, like, you had a chance? I think it was probably when I was around, like, 15. Um, you know, I just played for Mid-Fairfield up in Connecticut. Um, you know, lucky enough, my coach was my coach was Ryan Haggerty, who played four years at Boston College, was the captain of them. And then we also had Marty St. Louis, who is coaching the Montreal Canadiens right now. So he's pretty, he's pretty good, I guess. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Um, so kind of that. And then I went to play for the uh, North Jersey Avalanche for a year. And, you know, in that time, uh, the national team development program scouting out their guys for the next year. Um, so I was one of them. And then I got invited to the 40-man camp. Um but, you know, didn't make the NTDP. But I felt like kind of around then I kind of knew that, all right, like, you know, I'm kind of at the top end of my birth year. So, um, you know, trying to just ride on that. Yeah, you know, and then 2019 to 2021, you end up, uh, you know, playing for the Chicago Steel um, of the USHL. You're away from home, you know, you know, Chicago's a decent way away. Um, you know, what was it like um, ultimately being away and then that first – you know, what What did the USHL do for your development? And what was it like kind of that first time being away from home? Yeah, it was definitely something new. Um, you know, I don't think it would have been as successful uh, without my host family, Billet family. Um, you know, I had a great family. I still keep in touch with them today. They've come out to UMass a couple of times for games. Um, you know, and I've gone back out there to visit them. So, you know, we have a really special and close relationship. I know a lot of guys who play juniors don't have that. You know, sometimes guys have problems with their billets or, you know, they don't see things the same way. But, you know, I was really lucky. My billets were great. Um, you know, lucky enough, they had uh, 
I have a young son and he's the same age as my brother. So those two always got along. So, cool. you know, over the summers, one or the other will come out to Long Island or my brother will go to Chicago to hang out with him. So uh, it was really good. And then I think development wise was probably my first year, just the way the, the steel ran everything, just the guys there, you know, um, you know, practices were really intense and really high speed every day. Just, I mean, we had a really good team both years. So I think just being able to get those practice reps against guys like, you know, Owen Power, um, like Gunnar Wolf Fontaine, Coronado, Samuskevich, Brisson, yeah. Farrell, like Doan. You can keep going on and on and on right. with all the guys, but just all those guys going up and practice against them every day. Like, I think that really pushed all of us. And, you know, we had an environment where it was really competitive. Um, and, you know, I think that's a big reason why we had success. You know, you mentioned a lot of those guys that, you know, all also played in Hockey East. Are those guys that, like, you're still buddies with to this day, like, even though you guys are at different schools? Yeah, we all keep in touch every now and then. Yeah. You know, if we play against each other, we'll say hi and catch up after the games. So, you know, we had a really close group out there both years. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a great experience. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, the, the impact that your host family can have. And, I you know, I've gotten to interview a couple guys, and they kind of, the you know, the – Common ground that I've found is that, like, the people that have really struggled, I've had, you know, I've had guys say that it was really a tough adjustment and that their family, you know, the host family played a huge part in that, just not being able to see eye to eye. And, you know, the ones who ultimately had a great experience had host families that they, you know, keep in contact still to this day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's crazy how big of an impact that is. And, you know, just being fortunate enough to have a great family to, you know, live with. Um. Obviously, now you're a junior captain um, for UMass, you know, Hockey East. Um, when you were touring schools, were there any other schools that you gave, like, serious consideration to? Um, and then what about – what specifically about UMass Amherst um, made you choose to go there? Yeah. So I committed to UMass. I was 15, so I was fairly young. Um, but, you know, I'm from Long Island, so always wanted to play college hockey, but kind of wanted to stay on the Northeast. Um, I never really gave too much thought about – those Western schools are in areas of like Michigan and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to stay in the Northeast play in either hockey, league, hockey East or possibly go to an Ivy league school. Um, you know, my parents were big on education. So I looked at a couple Ivy league schools, um, you know, growing up looked at, you know, always wanted to go to like BC, BU, um, you know, Northeastern, one of those bean pot schools. But, you know, as I got older, kind of realized that really wasn't, wasn't it for me? Um, you know, I visited those schools, but it was just just kind of like a visit. Um, like I said, went to a couple Ivy League schools like Harvard, uh, Brown, and then didn't know much about UMass at the time. But uh, I was up in forgot where I was, but I was up in around Massachusetts for for a tournament. Um, and my advisors reached out to me and said, uh, UMass wants to have you. Just why don't you stop by? You're driving right by it. Uh, go check out the campus, meet the staff. So I went there, kind of fell in love with the campus because. You know, it's a big college campus, but it yeah. feels like feels like its own city. Um, and it's not too big, but it feels it, it feels big, but it's really not that big. And then met the staff, and once I met them, I kind of knew that it was different. Um, you know, it wasn't me trying to like give my interest into the school; they were interested in me. If that makes sense, like yeah, they, for sure. They took the time, showed interest in me, and you know, obviously seeing guys like Kale McCarr, Mario Ferraro there at, at that time. Yeah. Um, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer that, you know, they produce NHL defensemen. So that's exactly what I want to be. So just took stuck with that. And then here I am today. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. And, like, another thing, I was watching, 
a while back the uh, spit and chicklets when they went in. I think they were they were kind of walking around with Morrow, I believe. Yeah, your facilities are unbelievable. Like, I I was shocked. Not sh- I shouldn't say shocked. I just was amazed at how beautiful the like facilities are, and like obviously you guys are able to go skate whenever you want. Like, how big of an impact is that? Like the facilities that you guys have, and then obviously being able to go out on the ice whenever you want. Yeah, it's definitely a big impact. You know, a lot of a lot of schools like only have one rink, and you know they yeah. have to share sometimes with other sports or other venues. So for us having two rinks, it's it's really lucky we get to go on the ice whenever we want. Um, so it's really special. Yeah, you know, and then you commit to UMass, you ultimately choose to go there. Um, you know, and Coach Carvel's coach, right? And obviously, he's one of the best coaches in college hockey. Um, yeah. What about him makes him so great? And and what is it like playing for a guy like Coach Carvel? Yeah, I think just kind of his standard, um, like he told us today before practice, like, you know, when guys come in, he recruits them, he tells them, like, you know, he's going to push you and get get the most out of you. Like, if you want to come here and be challenged, if you want to come to a place where you're going to be challenged, but you're going to get better, like, this is the place for you. But if you don't want that, then this isn't the place for you. Like, um, you know, we do things, we try to do things to the highest level and the highest standards. Um, so I think he just gets the most out of his players. Yeah. You know, and before, you know, I should have asked this before uh, the last question. You mentioned guys like Kale McCarr, Mario Ferraro, who both, you know, are having great success at the next level, you know, in the NHL. Have you um, ever had, you know, the chance to talk to those guys and, and learn anything from those guys? Like what what is your big away, uh, biggest takeaway watching guys like, you know, Mario and Kale? Yeah, just knowing that, like, I'm in their shoes and that they were in my shoes. Um, we have an alumni program here at UMass. So, you know guys still playing hockey to guys who are, you know, working office jobs, um, come back and, you know, we'll have Zooms or even in-person meetings during the winter break, um, you know, while we don't have school. So a lot of guys come back, um, you know, catch up. We all have a mentor and or a mentor group. So it's really good. It's, um, you know, our alumni here is really good, uh, treats us really well. So it's good to have. Yeah, that's, that's huge, you know, especially for your development and your, you know, your growth. But um diving into your pre-draft process um obviously it was the covid year so it was a little bit different um not like your typical draft right yeah um you know obviously you're going through this process um what what did like what do you remember going through this entire process and then i i like to ask all the guys that have been drafted if they've had any you know bizarre draft questions from gms or executives like i've heard some pretty hilarious ones like asking what type of animal you are. And then obviously I I can't remember who it was. I think it was Stevie Y was grilling someone about, you know, smoking pot or something. I can't remember who it was, but stuff like that. Did you have any weird experiences, you know, as far as draft questions go? Yeah. So my year was COVID. So all the draft meetings and, you know, the questionnaires and stuff like that. So we did those over Zooms. I know now, and what they used to do is with the the, what is it the like showcase or whatever the testing thing they do in buffalo yes. or whatever. Yes. that's where they normally do a lot of the meetings there because they're up the guys are up there for the full weekend so yep. they'll do their like off-ice testing skate testing whatever and then you know i heard i've heard guys say that like they meet with teams all day long up there but you know ever since covid i think they do a lot more zooms but i remember the first one i got it was the first interview i got i knew like guys in the past said like yeah there's some weird questions there'll be some hard ones i remember we i think a lot of us on the steel at the time did uh the montreal one so they asked you like favorite what animal do you compare yourself yep, to that's exactly what it we was. we're all we're all prepared for that one but 
I got them at the end of the year, but I remember at the start of the year, it was like October. I did one with the Rangers and it was going well. And then the guy asked me, uh, the person who hates you the most, how would they describe you in one word? And I had no idea what to say. Dude, my brain would be in a blender. I was like, uh, <laughs> hold on, give me a minute. Waited a minute. I was like, I don't know, like competitive or something. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that one, that was like my first one, and I was just not ready for it. <laughs> it's so crazy how they like construct those questions. And like, I always wonder about like the rationale between like what exactly they're looking for. Like, especially the animal one. Like, I had um, Zach Benson on, and he said that he was like a golden retriever and like, he was like, I don't know. It was the first thing that came to mind. And I was yeah. like, like, I, I just, I want to like one, I wonder what they're looking for. And like what the, obviously there's not a correct answer, but like what they're looking for in those answers. I don't know. Um, you know, and then all that, you know, ends fourth round, 115th pick. Um, you hear your name to the Nashville predators. Um, take us through that moment. Um, you know, have you heard from any of the current Predators to kind of, you know, congratulate you when, when it did happen um, and, and kind of offer you any, like, mentorship? Yeah, so I actually, at the draft, they had the World Junior Summer Showcase going on. So it was, I was there, um, the Swede, Sweden and Finland was there, so we were all in Detroit at USA Hockey Arena. So they were, it was in the middle of the week, so... I remember we had practiced the night before and we all watched the first round in like uh whatever the the ballrooms or whatever. Yeah. So we were all in there, like US guys, like Swedes had their own room, Finns had their own room, but we all watched um we watched guys like was Boucher, Coronado, yeah, Lucius, Samuel Skevich, those guys went. And then the next day we had practice in the morning and a practice at night, but the practice that morning was split up, so it was like ten to twelve and then like eleven to one or whatever. Yeah. So the second round started, I think it was nine. A couple guys got called, and then you know, we all were on the ice. So then we came off the ice, and guys are looking at their phones. We're in the locker room taking our helmets off, and guys are just yelling like, hey, you got picked here, and you got picked here. And I remember one of the guys was just like, oh, if you got picked Nashville. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, yeah. All right, looked at my phone. It was blown up. So so did, um, you've been to Nashville, obviously. Did you go to development camp this uh Yeah. I've gone. Year. I've gone three times. So three. Far. Okay, so you've been to three camps. Yeah. What What is your like? What would you say your biggest takeaways um, from you know those development camps are? Because a lot of the guys we get to talk to, the biggest things is you know the stuff off the ice that you learn as far as like the nutrition, um, yeah. you know the lifting, and obviously you know what you get with drills on the ice. Um, but yeah, for you, like, what were your biggest takeaways from um, development camp? I would say the biggest takeaways was just it was kind of just get, getting to know everybody. I think the staff down there in Nashville does a really good job trying to just go out, like make you feel welcomed and yeah, kind of yeah. at home there and just trying to connect with every single guy that they invite. Um, I think that was one of their best things that they do. You know, nothing's crazy on the ice or even off ice. Like we do some testing and stuff, but nothing crazy. Like we have a lot of meetings just about, you know, nutrition, sleep, um, you know, they give us a bunch of presentations on like mental health, stuff like that. Um, you know, what it takes to be an NHL player, just because they show us a calendar of like one month of their schedule. Like you guys play 82 games, you yeah. play, play every other day. Like you got to fit in free time. You like a lot of these guys have families, like you got to fit that in. So kind of just what it 
the whole process about it. And then, like I said before, just them going out of their way, having meetings with guys and, you know, just catching up with guys. And, you know, I think they did a good job of us trying to connect to player to player because yeah. half the guys are in Europe playing or right. in Canada in different leagues. You don't really know anybody too well. And then, you know, if you're lucky enough to sign there, like you have to get to know them. So I think they do a yeah. good job of trying to connect everybody together. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, a lot. I, I got to go watch the Bruins one. It's just so awesome to see all the different things, you know, as far you mentioned the testing and, you know, getting to watch the, you know, the, um, you know, guys that have retired that played yeah. for the organization. Like, it was so cool to see. Um, I, I wanted to ask you prior to this, um, growing up, did you have a favorite team? Obviously, you being a New York kid, um, favorite team growing up, um, favorite player. And then as far as now, you know, you being at UMass, are there any guys in the NHL that you kind of see a little bit of yourself in? Yeah, so growing up, um, from New York, but don't like any New York. I do like New York, <laughs> but not my favorite. Uh, my dad's from Pittsburgh, so I was always a Penguins fan. I'm in the Steelers. Um, so growing up, love Crosby, Malkin, Latang, those guys, but love Crosby the most. Always watched him, still watch him now. Yeah. Um, it's just so crazy what he's still doing now, dude. Yeah. Like, it's just out- outrageous. What he does is so smart. Right. Um, I've always obviously watched him. Um, you know, they had a lot of success as I was growing up, three Stanley Cups too. So, that was always good to watch, fun to watch. Um, I think I think those baby blue winter classic Pittsburgh yeah, jerseys those are, nice. are a top three for me of all time. Yeah, those are yeah. nice. I like those. Yeah. But uh so yeah, I love the penguins and then you know, guys I like to watch are um Adam Fox. Um yeah. I like watching him. He's from Long Island too. I've skated with him a couple of times, so just you know, being able to watch him, I've know how I know how to I've seen him skate. Um you know, he's similar in size. I'm not the biggest guy. Neither is he, but, you know, he manages a way to pr- produce a lot, um, you know, up for the Norris, won the Norris. So yeah. just watching guys like him. Um, another guy from Long Island I like to watch is Charlie McAvoy. Yeah. And being in Massachusetts, we get a lot, we get all the Bruins games. So yeah, watching him, he's really dynamic. He can kind of do it all. He's physical, fast, you know, can produce points, but he's also a shutdown guy. So kind of those two just, I don't know, I've, I've skated with a couple of them couple times back at home so kind of have that affiliation um yeah. enjoy watching them just because i get all their games too right rangers and bruins i get both their games and you know two guys i like to watch yeah the, uh, both two probably top five defensemen in the nhl i mean those are pretty good guys to you know model your game after um you know what what areas of your game um would you say that you take pride in most um and then what are some areas of your game you know especially this year that you've really tried to pinpoint um, and focus on improving? Yeah, I think um, I take pride in like being physical, I would say. You know, this year I've, I've had a couple times where like, you know, I have big hits or whatever. Yeah, I've always yeah. I've always tried to have that. But, you know, being smaller like doesn't mean you can't be physical. Right. And I kind of learned that throughout like juniors and getting here. Like if even if you just have to bump a guy a little bit, it still gives you that extra one, two seconds for you to have time and space and make a play or slows down a guy like, like a four checker, four checking you. Like if you bump him, like stop his momentum, slow him down. So kind of that I've always like taken pride in just cause I feel like it helps me a lot. And then, you know, obviously I love to be offensive. Um, I try to make plays at the blue line, try to create offense for me and my teammates. So I think kind of my strong suit there is around the blue line, just, trying to like manipulate the wingers coming out. Um, 
you know, a lot of the times the forwards will just come sprinting out at the blue line. So, you know, if you can mix in one or two head fakes and get their feet turned one way, I always try to, I always try to get their feet pointed one way and I'll just go the other. Cause you can't yeah. recover. It's like, it's like when you cross over, like when you're in the middle of a crossover, they teach kids when you're younger, like you can't get out of it. So right. try to just do that and try to focus on that. And you know, there was one, one, you mentioned the physicality aspect of your game and that's exactly what I kind of recognized when I was watching that game is you, you had an opportunity, not an opportunity. You did, you hit Rucker McGordy, who's a big dude. And you know, it just, you had no fear in, in hitting him, And obviously you were able to take him off the puck and I was like, wow, for like a, not a small kid, but like, you know, a smaller defenseman, just being able to kind of not have a huge bone crushing hit, but be, being able to, you know, remove a player like that from the pot. I yeah. mean, it, it's something I think you're really special at doing. Um, the, the last question I want to ask, um, as we've kind of been doing these episodes, talking with college kids and whatnot, um, we've had people comment wanting to know, um, you know, what piece of advice would you give to like kids that are kind of growing up right now, playing the game? Um, early in their career, what types of, you know, advice would you give them as far as um, on ice things, off the ice things they can do um, to get to that, you know, next level and ultimately get to play college hockey? Yeah. So for me growing up, I loved watching, like, like I said, I was the Penguins fan. So I always watched Penguins games, but I think one thing for me was just turning on NHL network, especially when you're a young kid and just watch a game, maybe pick a player and just kind of watch what he does and the little details that he does. I feel like that was something that, you know, I could try to focus on and was able to implement. Um, you know, and then lucky enough for me, like I said, I had Ryan Haggerty and Marty St. Louis as my coach. So learning from them from when I was 10 to 14, like that's every kid's developing like for four, for four years, I got to learn from him. Like he was a hall of famer. So yeah. kind of just learning like little details. He was always harping on, you know, like stick on, stick on puck. Like you don't need to have your stick on the air. Um, you know, before you get a pass, like take a look, like know, know your next play before you get the puck, just little things like that really stuck with me. And then, you know, our whole team, we ended up having success out of that. But the one thing was probably, you know, that everybody has a different path in hockey. There's so many paths. It's not like any other sport because every other sport plays through high schools and then you go to college and then you have to like declare for the draft after college, like basketball and football. Um, but hockey's really different and there's many ways you can go, you know, there's prep school, there's, there's triple a hockey, there's high school hockey in like Minnesota. That's really, really good. So for me, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, there's different paths and there's different timelines too. Like you can go into college as a 20 year old freshman. You don't have to go right. in when you're, when you're turning 18. So, um, you know, some guys I've, I've noticed, especially at my age, when I was going through the process of college recruitment and stuff, guys you know, would freak out and, you know, get all mental, get in their head about all, like, I don't have a school coming at me yet, or, you know, the school wants me, like, two years, but there's guys my age going in now, but, you know, it's all, it's all a process, everybody's different, like, you've seen the NHL, guys who get undrafted or making millions of dollars right now, playing first line, so everybody's different, so that's the biggest advice I would have. Yeah, to put it into perspective, I think you said it best is like how rare it is to see just a, a straight 17, 18 year old kid co- go right into, you know, Hockey East. I think literally this Macklin Celebrini is like the first that I've seen in years. And I've been watching college hockey for years. And just you met, you said it best. Everyone takes different paths and how rare it is to just be able to 
come out of school and just go right to it. It's very rare how, you know, how often it happens. Um, but that's awesome advice, man. Um, I really can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day. Obviously, I know you got a busy schedule with, you know, hockey and, you know, you're on break. With, I don't, are you back at school yet? Yeah, we had, uh, we came back yesterday. Okay. So yeah, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, best of luck the rest of the season. You know, you guys are ripping it up right now, 11th in the country. And I think you guys have a serious chance to, you know, make a run. Um, so yeah, man, I, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Take care. Thank you. You too. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ryan Ufko, junior captain of the UMass Minutemen and fourth round pick of the Nashville Predators. Um, as always, we are joined. Um, this, you know, this podcast is brought to you in partnership with Primetime Production. Um, be sure to listen to uh, the episode before this um, World Junior stuff, you know, NHL news, um, you know, all things hockey. So take care, guys.